Plans are worthless, but planning is everything. General and President Dwight Eisenhower's wisdom still rings true today. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents STRAT, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk. A forum with a preparedness mindset. Mitigating risks, creating systems of prevention and recovery to deal with potential threats. And understanding the objectives of a business continuity plan. This is the podcast for leaders who are committed to being prepared. Now, here are your hosts, retired Marine Intelligence Officer and globally recognized risk expert, Hal Kempfer, and investment banking executive, Mark Mansfield. Well, Mark, we're going to go south of the border. (laughs) So we'll be heading down not just to Mexico, but we'll be talking about a lot of different countries uh, south of the border and a lot of different things trending uh, in terms of opportunities, risk, things that will help us prepare, whether we're in business, government, whatever, uh, helping us prepare in terms of where the world's going and also dealing with Fortress North America. Perfect. Uh, Fortress North America, our theme of what you were talking about here, the, the actually the way the world's going, likely regionalism in terms of say, North America. Well, why is that relevant? Well, South America, of course, is uh, our partner and a potential uh, embedded, uh, expanded partner in, in so many ways. And that's what we're going to uh, discover and talk about more and more today. It was officially, remember NAFTA back in, in the 80s, and now we've just recently had the USMCA uh, NAFTA on steroids. And it's at the timing with what's going on in the world and the, the nearshoring and the re-establishing of supply chains uh, and, and, and bringing manufacturing home, it, it couldn't be better. Well, it's, it's interesting. If you look at the media landscape, if you will, uh, when we talk about certainly Mexico or we talk about the border uh, region, it seems to be dominated by illegal immigration. There's talk about the violence with the Mexican drug cartels, you know, talking about all the immigration coming from Central America, South America moving up, the problems of Venezuela, everything, we get inundated with that. What we often miss is the economic side of this you know when you have the 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 basically the the shutdown not shutdown maybe it's too strong a term but the decrease in foreign investment and the the really the big decrease in offshoring production out of china it's got to go someplace else and whereas we've talked about other places in the world with fortress north america concept bringing those supply chains back reducing the vulnerability of the supply chains that that macro mitigation if you will mexico is a place and and central america as well are places that everyone naturally looks at because you have all those ingredients you need for doing a lot of industrial growth but a lot of offshoring Except it's not so much offshore; it's actually physically connected right. to us. Yeah, so we we definitely need to talk about South America in a bit. But prior to, you're absolutely right. Again, you know, back to the point made earlier regarding uh, NAFTA and the MSMCA. Uh, you look, everything is relatively in. When I say relative, we, we we do have issues with you know car, cartel migration and you know some of the issues going on and the highly politicized, polarized perspectives that 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 people view here the, the positives that we're trying to you know, underscore you know sometimes get offset by you know 
anecdotal issues in the media and, and some that are, are justified, but we, we're, that, that's a whole other discussion. We're set with harmonized tax policies. We've got highly efficient, highly tuned Maquila doors. We, we've got integrated transportation hubs, both rail and highway. Uh, we, we are perfectly positioned to, in terms of nearshoring, reestablish the, pr- the prowess of the Maquila doors. And, and, and actually, it's going to be not just from a strategic perspective, from an economic uh, perspective and efficiency perspective, <laughs> whether it's design changes being on the manufacturing floor or looking at the shipping into the market or the sourcing of materials and technologies out of Canada. You know, it was interesting. Uh, a few years ago, I was looking at uh, bringing stuff in. I was, I was consulting on, a, on an industrial program, bringing, bringing materials out of South America. And then the decision was, do we want to process those things in North America, where, Mexico, the U.S.? And I kept coming back to Mexico. Mexico made so much sense. And we talk about maquiladores, which traditionally we think of those manufacturing just south of the border. But actually, it's much broader than that. If you go well into Mexico, well down south, there are these tremendous uh, industrial parks, if you will, uh, tremendous economies in, in putting any sort of manufacturing, any sort of business down in Mexico that we sometimes miss. I, I completely agree. And and what's going to what's going to happen is we're going to emphasize certain segments. Look at, for example, semiconductors, batteries advanced um, military technologies not so much in mexico possibly but certainly the semiconductors right now we've only got 12 percent of of the um, semiconductors being made in north america that's dramatically going to pivot the other 75 percent is is in asia mexico is a natural go-to we have to provide the adequate support they some of the risk factors you touched on the the cartels the, the narco element they also need to be more stable in terms of their their, their government structure. It tends to, to fluctuate dramatically. Well, the the politics are something. You know, for example, lithium. You know, we're going we're going green. All right, it's the age of batteries and the age of of green technology for uh, solar voltaics and for wind power and everything else. Uh, lithium is huge. There are lithium deposits, uh, lithium mines, if you will, uh, in Mexico. But interestingly, over the last few years, Mexico kept going back and forth. They were going to nationalize the lithium industry. Well, that really puts cold water, if you will, on foreign investment going down to Mexico to work on lithium or work on green technology. The fear is that if you go down to Mexico, and there is a history of this going back you know, well over a century of nationalizing uh, key industries, the concern is there's going to be a shift in the political winds and... They see this large industrial sector and make a political decision, which plays well, you know, within the uh, the you know the the voters of Mexico to do that. But in terms of international trade, in terms of certainly working with the Fortress North America concept, that's a huge problem. Uh, is if they start nationalizing major industries. You know, it's interesting, too, in terms of introducing stability, building on that point. Uh, you know, what, what the role in the last century of the natural migration of the Mexican population, a good portion of the Mexican population, in particular to the America, the U.S. Southwest, but frankly, pockets throughout the North America, it's starting to have a tremendous impact. Now we're on third, fourth generation, right? So not only are the, are, are the families bonded by blood over the border and out of necessities we're talking about in terms of supply chains, 
production. But there's a tremendous flow of funds going south. I mean, it's a, it's it's remarkable. So what we're seeing here is is a uh, an integration beyond politics, beyond tax policies, and beyond manufacturing. Hopefully, this integration with the families will and, and population Im- and influence of the, cult- the cultural impact on us all here and down south will will migrate both closer together. Uh, frankly, I think I'll, I'll I, certainly in other parts of the U.S. the uh, the back and forth across the border is sometimes missed. I mean, culturally, uh, you know, fam- uh, familially, if you will, the families themselves. North and south of the border, uh, the border might as well not be there in terms of how they deal with certain things. However, the border has been getting built up. The border has, you know, the checkpoints are much tougher to get through than they used to be. And uh, because of that, it is slowing things down. And that's actually something we need to look on is, is you know, not just with Mexico, but also looking further south. You know, we're, we're talking about all sorts of issues with that. You know, one of the problems with uh, with with Fortress North America, and if I may go beyond North America to include South America, That's right. is in terms of offshoring, there's there are supply chain problems. You know, it's still going to be a, a maritime situation with South America because there is still, to this day, there is no highway or railroad or anything that goes from North America to South America. You know, it goes down to San Blas, and it ends. You're in the jungle, you got trails, you got maybe some Jeep trails or something, but there is no way to physically connect it by land. So in that regard, that's historically always been an obstacle, geographic obstacle, a trade obstacle, a lot of other things. But that's something that I think as we, we, we have this bringing it back, that's well, going to be something we have to deal with. We have to talk about <laughs> the, the, not just the logistics of South America, but the, the, the cultural and political, geopolitical elements of it. Look, we don't want to have an inkling of arrogance here, but the real politique is that, look, we've considered this hemisphere to be our sphere of influence for a long, long time. And, you know, other areas in the world also recognize that probing into South America, we talk a little bit about that, how, how that's being conducted now, has an immediate impact on our longer term strategic plans in terms of, you know, Fortress North America and bringing, extending it to include South America. And uh, that game is starting to unfold in, in various in various countries. And we can talk possibly a little bit, of, I'll, I'll throw this back to you. If you want to talk about uh, the BRIC and and the role of some of those countries, Brazil and, and what's going on. Well, BRIC, of course, you know that was a, that was the all the rage, if you will, of uh, a while back, and that was the realignment. So where you saw Russia, China, India, and Brazil setting themselves up as a separate global bloc and doing all sorts of things to try and integrate their economies, and it was kind of a counterweight, if you will, to other things like ASEAN or or like the European Union. Uh, so it was seen as this big counterweight sort of thing. It hasn't really worked out as well as they'd hoped. Interesting, uh, in another episode, we talked about the fact that India is now aligning closer to the West, to the U.S. and to Europe. Moving away from that, there's an India-China conflict going on, which is very, very stark and has seen some you know, actual shooting up there in the Himalayan area. And, and then, of course, with Russia, with its war in Ukraine, Russia is isolating itself to the point where even within Moscow, they're talking about Russia going on the North Korea model, where they're going to become so isolated from the global economy 
that their standard of living will drop down to something like that. So they're having huge problems. That puts Brazil in an interesting situation. Where do they go? And the politics in Brazil don't add to that stability because they seem to swing far to the right, far to the left. And and with that, that's a that's a big deterrent to foreign investment. Yeah, that, that that's a point I wanted to underscore as well. It is uh, you know none of us is perfect in terms of uh, the political populism that seems to be everywhere in the developed and developing world. The developing world, you know, tends to have a be more dynamic in that area, a higher frequency of it. To your point about. Uh, Lulu now in Brazil, for better or worse, we've got issues going. We can come back to this in a second in, in Venezuela and, and Guatemala. A big deal, though, that's going on is the, to your point, I just want to make sure it's well made, is that the influence in South America by the external cu- countries, whether it's China, India, and or to a point, Russia, is very important. If they establish what you're trying to do, an alternative to the uh, U.S. dollar as a reserve currency, and this is very much in play right now, BRIC, okay, they represent 33% of the world's economy. Now, if they're, that's a significant carve-out, both commercially and strategically, to the power of the U.S. and, of course, Fortress North America. Now, I would say with that, it, it, of course, because India and, and most, most importantly, China are part of that coalition that's where you got that big chunk that's where you have that but with that said i do think india is going another direction uh now china is interesting in south america though you know we go back we kind of alluded to it the monroe doctrine which goes back to the beginning of the united states you know where basically the western hemisphere was seen as our sphere of influence and we told the europeans you know you need to get out you know this is where we we take care of business in the western hemisphere South America has been a little bit different. And if you look at Chinese investment in South America, it's been very strategic. It's been persistent. You know, in areas like lithium, an industry we've both been involved with, uh, if you look at what they've done, they've just accomplished recently in, in Bolivia, which has the largest lithium deposits around the world, but also things they've been doing in the Altiplano region in Argentina and Chile, you know, specifically lining up those contracts you see where China is strategically going into that region in a way that the U.S. has is, is really not gone into that way, into that region. Uh, and, and certainly Europe is looking at it and saying they need to get more involved in this area as well. And again, it goes back to those basic economics, the, the labor age population. And that's something Mexico has. That's something Central America and South America have is this huge potential. Yeah, it's really in our best interest, and again, not from an arrogant, uh, an arrogant perspective, to maintain control and and stability, with within, if if you want to call it our sphere of influence. It's especially if we're going to have this Western Hemisphere regionalism. We'll see where that goes. Unfortunately, and uh, you know, the, the political instability at times is has been driven historically by a, a theory. We're not going to get academic here but called dependencia and and basically what it means is that in terms of globalization or even in terms of south american regionalization we just see the exploitation of cheap labor and resources so what do we do we keep pushing it down further and further that's been the perennial problem that causes the authoritarian right and the populist left in response to 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 be to be sideways point is we in our long-term interests 
have to make sure that the exploitation is not manifested aggressively and not manifested at all uh, and, and, and make them our allies as opposed to opening them up to other interests such as Russia's probing or China's probing. Well, you know, if you go back historically, and this is certainly within the memory of, of anyone in Central America, but certainly all of South America, Central America, if you look at the wars that the U.S. was involved in, say, in Nicaragua, uh, going back to the 1920s, that was, you know, the United Fruit Company uh, was, was behind that. And traditionally, when the U.S. went to South America, it was to pull resources out. All right? That's, what, that's what's remembered. Yes. What I think you're looking at is is co-development in a, in a major in a major way. It's going to be different. It can't be the way it was before. China is going in there with with the with you know the Belt and Road Initiative, trying to bring in South America. That's a very extended Belt and Road, if you will. <laughs> but uh, but they're trying to bring it in. But the problem is the Chinese model has always been, hey, we'll build this stuff, we'll develop this stuff, but at the end of the day. We're going to leave you with this huge debt burden that you're going to have to deal with. And, of course, China's problem is that they now have this massive debt burden around the world. And a number of countries have looked at some of these investments and say, hey, this isn't making money. We can't service this debt. And so China's got that $1.1 trillion debt bomb. And they've got to be looking at that saying, "If are we going to do that same model in South America? and incur even a larger debt load so 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 to preempt that i mean we, we have to take we have, we have to show extensive leadership here and set an example you know a case in point would be to really double down and make sure that mexico is set up as a model for others okay not and, and they perceive that there's a, a commitment there that can be extended south Otherwise, you know, right now Guatemala has just suspended uh, the results of of, the, of their June election. We've, we've got we've got Venezuela uh, putting down challenges to their authoritarian leadership. It's going to ping pong back and forth, and state in that state of de- dependencia, uh, rapid inflation in Argentina, and it's not in our interest. So let, let's let, let's let's solidify our immediate southern flank okay and then set that model set that example and then we can stage further south it, it, and it's not it's it's in our interest and frankly without any arrogance it's in theirs as well to be part of the fortress north america well i think we have to have a holistic way of looking at this too and i really think that building a large manufacturer a lot much larger manufacturing base in mexico central america even down to south america building this large manufacturing base helping develop this, bringing some of that offshoring from China or things that would have gone to China, sending it to Mexico instead, will build a, a certain economic layer which will decrease the the influence of the cartels, uh, decrease the level of corruption. I'm not naively saying that you know a high tide raises all boats evenly, but when you see countries that have that strong industrial base, that strong economic model, finance as well, that's where you start to see that that a lot of the corruption, a lot of the problems that that were that were endemic to the system, uh, and the stability of the government uh, tend to start resolving themselves. Uh, we're in a leadership position here, and and th- this is an opportunity where you know we often hear the term codependency is used in, in kind of a, a negative connotation. I would turn that around here and say whether you like it or not we need to cultivate a positive codependency here and and you know we're in it together mark you're absolutely right 
This has been a great discussion. Thanks. Strat, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk with Hal Kempfer and Mark Mansfield.